Welcome to part two of Faith and Blue. On this panel, we have law enforcement, we have a pastor, we have a ADA, which is assistant district attorney. I think that's a great panel to have to try to solve this problem that we're having with America and law enforcement. So listen to part two, listen carefully, understand what's going on and if you have some questions that you feel like was not addressed you know what to do i have too many outlets for you not to ask those questions on enjoy part two they know that we a problem together they know that we can storm anywhere that's bigger than black and white it's a problem with the whole way of life can't change overnight but we gotta start somewhere might as well go ahead and start here we didn't have a hell of a year i'm gonna make it count why i'm here god is the only man i fear I don't know your complaint box, but this question here. Uh, many have complained about your officers patrolling and having roadblocks in or near neighborhoods that are primarily black. Can you explain? Yes, um, you know, that's 50% the question that, that Ms. Statham asked is 50% is correct. Um, earlier this year, right at the beginning of summer, uh, I started receiving complaints from uh, residents of, of Burke Street, um, at which this, both the same time, uh, a couple of our council members and our mayor and then our city manager also begin, began receiving complaints, asking us to do something different, asking us to get in there, complaints of loud music, complaints of gunfire, complaints of speeding autos in the evening, just, just all kinds of different things. Major David uh, proposed uh, license checks well, it just happened to coincide with uh, uh, another area in town, uh, South McIntosh Street, having the same uh, having the same issues, the same complaints. Um, so, what bored out of uh, out of complaints to, to, to me and to, to upper levels of, of, of the city management uh, became our, our our monthly or our, our, our weekly, excuse me, license checks, um, and we did it for the purpose of, of DUI detection. But yes, we were on Burke Street. Yes, we were on Mill Street. But I will also say this, when we were on Burke Street, we were also on McIntosh Street. When we were on Mill Street, we were on Church Street. Um, we, 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 we for, for lack of better terminology, we spread the wealth to the entire city. It wasn't targeting one particular community. It was targeting the entire city. City. Yes, that's right. With the stigma that exists, is there a plan to change the stigma of the police to our youth? If so, how do you all plan to gain, you spoke earlier about trust, about the trust there. How do we gain that trust back from to the youth? That's a really good question. And of course, I grew up in Elberton as a young guy. And of course, I was worried about how I may have been treated back in the 80s or the 90s or whatnot. And I said, if I ever be a cop, and it's funny that I was going in the medical field and all of that, and I flipped back doing something that I got to hear every weekend about how my dad police, my uncle police, and my cousin police. You know, how can I be a Darren Rucker and be able to police and relate? I'm going back to being a school resource officer, going back, meeting those students and whatnot, and, and I kind of had the inside track at Elbert County High School during the years of, uh, of 1997 to 2005. 
And it's one of those things that, hey, let's talk. And, and they want to know, why do we run them off? Why do we treat them a certain way? Because if their pants are halfway down, but I make A's. Um, why am I treated because certain ways because of my color of my skin? Not only African-Americans, but Caucasians as well, along with Hispanics. Um, and being working with the high school band during that time of 25 years as well, a lot of those questions came up and I had to just sit back and think about exactly what they said. I say, you're absolutely right that you do have some bad apples that may be in law enforcement, but you have a lot of good officers in law enforcement too. And it goes back to our training. Um, of course, we have um, Major David here that, you know, train us well and things of that nature and how to be able to talk to people. That's the main thing, being able to talk to people and being able to get that trust. You know, um, going to the middle school, I mean, going to the, the, the elementary schools, having lunch with them, having that relation, going to those summer camps, going to these different programs, just having relations with them. I think that's very important. And talk with them. Um, going to these sporting events to let them know that you care. Law enforcement, we need to get out of our cars and start shaking hands. We need to start getting out the cars and, as the pastor said up here, showing love. And it's all about love and people want to be loved. People want to be recognized. And, 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 and think about some of the good things. You know, I was taught by one of the principals, you know, man, this kid is so bad. What can we do about it? You know, I start looking at it in the band. How can I make my drum line better? So if I find 10 things, if I find nine things that was bad, I end up finding one thing that they did good. So I start spinning around. Instead of getting on them about all the bad things, I want to tell them about the good they did. And man, that made them feel good. The same even on patrol. You know, that last day before we go home, before those three days off, the last thing you want to hear is a negative right at 6 o'clock about how bad you were at that time. Because we do have families at home, and you don't want to take that home. Um, so that was learning for me to kind of change my ways, even in supervision. Let me let them know about the good that we're doing. And that's what we have to do with the youth. We have to, you know, start from the bottom and really just, just talk with them, engage with them, relate with them, and, 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 and let them say what they need to say. You know, maybe put them up here on this panel and let them ask us the hard questions. But I, I, I think we need to stop that stigma. Um, if we have it going on, we won't be able to put a stop to it. And, um, and just continue to work with our youth. Thank you. I'm going to get into some training um, acronyms here. Are you all CIT or crisis intervention trained, certified to help deal with those in mental health crises? Yeah, so we, uh, it's an interesting concept or it's an interesting question. I'm pretty sure I know who it come from. Um, and what me and Joey found out is two of the department trainers is there's not a tab that you can click on uh, to find out if everyone has a certain certification. I don't know why it's a state level thing. But uh, what we're able to figure out is about 95% of the department is uh, crisis intervention trained. Um, and, and ultimately what it does is it gives us the tools, um, keywords, uh, things to hear, things to listen for uh, when, when, when people are having a mental health crisis. Um, helps us to uh, de-escalate the situation. Um, it also gives us some ideas of, of, uh, of the route of, of, of care that they need. Yes, sir. 
mental health is really, really, really important in the course of one's life. Um, does de-escalation or sensitivity training exist within the Herberton Police Department? Yeah, we can go back to um, the question six and seven for that. Uh, as far as uh, the bottle of water does not like standing up. As far as sensitivity training, there's no specific training that the, the police department offers. Um, but, but again, uh, with the governor's initi initiative, uh, every officer re received de-escalation training every year. Okay. Um, you know, I think you're probably going to pass this one to Officer Captain Ruffer because of at the art scene. Uh, what is the police department doing to ensure you are hiring the right people? Man, I tell you what, these two on this side always throwing me these applications, <laughs> the, the deep dive in their lives and whatnot. So I'm kind of one of the nosy cops. Um, what we do, we end up doing extensive background check. Uh, we want to make sure that we get the best people for the job. Um, what we do is start going through criminal histories uh, about the things that see if they did anything that's ungodly. Um, of course, we start going into um, doing the campus of the neighborhoods wherever they live at. We know we start talking to neighbors, um, seeing what kind of lifestyle they had, have, um, if they're keeping their lawns cut, you know, just you know how the kids are dressed up, you know, things like that. Just simple things there. Um, of course, we end up doing things like doing a polygraph test to see how truthful you are, see if any deception that comes up along with pilot, along with um, psychologicals. Because like you say, you, you go back to mental health, there's, there's so many types of mental health that's going on. I mean, I thought more and more about this mental health deal back, I mean, in 2020, when we all was locked up in our homes. How did you feel at that time? You know, how did you feel at the time when you was unable to go to the nursing home or skills facilities where you weren't able to see your loved ones? and your loved one in the past That's mental health right now. Um, I've, I've been there. I got to see them that way. Um, that's part of mental health. And those things that, you know, we start tracking to make sure that you're okay with this job because you see so many things out here that you never wipe out of your mind. You know, things that's going on with kids. And, and I appreciate uh, Mr. Jeff Lee being up here because he see a lot of things, a lot of that we turn over to him, and, 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 and it just hurts you. And we need to make sure that you're able to handle that. You know, did you ever go through any kind of sex crimes in your life, which you did to handle that? Did you go through any kind of family violence? Those things are important, because when we start going back to people getting beat and things like that, then you start going back, you know, start deep diving back, trying to say, did they go through that in a young age? And those are the questions we have to start asking to make sure that we have those good people, good people in place. Um, and and, and, and want to see what their plan is. Do they want to be a part of the Elton Police Department? What is your five-year plan? What is your 10-year plan? Do you want to uh, further your education by going to college and going to an institution of higher learning? Those are the things that we want to look at where we, where we can make sure we have the best college officer here, best professional officer here and anytime your professionalism is there you know we love educated people where you can be more educated to be able to help our community thank you I hope I you, your question. you did no, you can hang on to you can have this next question 
if you would combine 14 and 15 together because they're both reference community policing. Okay. 14 and 15. Uh, what are the essential ele elements of an effective community policing policing program? One of the things that I, I really think is what we're doing right now, being part of the community, opening up the doors to you right now to be able to have dialogue, to be able to talk back and forth, you know, with our community. Because I think communication is a big C word. As, as, as I tell my grandkids, we start saying C, communicate, instead of talking about cat or whatever. But then I'm just playing with you out there a little bit. But communication is one of those great things that we have to continue to do. Be visible. Be seen. Going back to love. Going back on those porches back in the day when everybody didn't have cars and whatnot. Being able to go in those neighborhoods and sit down and just talk. Let's have the conversation. Um, I think that it's very important that we stay engaged as in law enforcement um, going into the school system. I think it's very important that we work with our, with our educators to be able to talk to those students. Let them know that it is life after graduation. Let them know that it is great things and how to make really good choices and whatnot. Um, another thing is that we see social media a lot. Um, we want to continue to push great things and out there in social media because that's the kind of the driven train that we're in right now. Um, just being able to disseminate information, um, just being able just to do whatever we need to do to reach out to the communities. Okay, thank you. Um, Chief, one moment. I just uh, you know he mentioned the, the, the everybody in their cars, but. You know, a big thing is everybody on their phones nowadays. Um, I would like uh, to ask Mr. Jeff Lee, as someone who sees the intimate parts of the police department and the intimate parts of the community, both on the offender side and the victim side, I just kind of want to see what his, kind of what his thought of, of what, what a community should look like, what a community policing should look like. So I think the biggest thing with community policing is trust. I think the trust, and um, having confidence in each other uh, is probably the most important thing. You have to be able to trust when you call a law enforcement officer out to your house uh, to be able to tell them what's going on, not to be able to be in fear that, you know, am I gonna get in trouble for this or that? You have to be able to trust each other and you have to be able to communicate with each other. And I think that when law enforcement, when all you do is write tickets, if all you do is go out there and, and make arrests, but you don't forge relationships, you don't, stop talking to somebody on the street, find out what's going on with their life. Sometimes people have, you know, there's no, I'm not saying there's an excuse for crime, but sometimes there are mitigating factors and you have to take those into account. We have to do that in prosecution. We have cases where you have, they have two people charged with the same crime, but one person, there may be some, you know, may have been having a mental health episode. It doesn't absolve him of the crime, but it makes, okay, we can take this into account when we make a plea offer and stuff like that. So I think really it's, it's just taking, um, approach that communication is key and if we just say we're, we're law enforcement or we're prosecutors we're not going to we're not going to communicate we're not going to go out there we're not going to extend our hand then how can we expect the community to extend their hand back so that's i think that's the first step that that we all have to take mr lee keep the mic for a yes. second um, i have a question that's listed and i think it will fit for okay. you to answer um 
how come someone is arrested during a domestic dispute, even though the victim does not want an arrest made? So a lot of times what happens is people think that well, if the victim doesn't want to prosecute, then that means the charges are going to get dropped. If, if the victim says, I, I don't want somebody arrested, I don't, or comes to our office and says, I, don't, I want the charges dropped, they, they automatically get dropped. And, and that's, that's not true, and the biggest reason that's not true is that there are a lot of people who are, let's say, domestic abusers, for example, and they will threaten and bully and harass their victims into coming to our office or dropping charges and it just allows them to perpetuate that cycle of abuse on their victims because they know that their victims won't stand up and are afraid. But by taking the choice out of their hands, they're, un they're unable to exert that level of, a kind of kind of control over their victims. For example, we've had a number of times when somebody comes to our office and they're, they have a black eye and they try to say, well, no, nothing happened, that, that, that was all a mistake, he never hit me. Or there have been times which we actually look outside and, and there's the person who was arrested for abuse and they drove them to our office even though there's no contact order in the bond. And so there are a number of situations where basically the state of Georgia said, no, we're going to take this on that way we can, uh, not eliminate because you're never going to eliminate, but you can reduce the risk of having a victim being bullied into dropping charges. And that certainly doesn't mean we don't take that into account. When a victim comes and you have somebody who has never been arrested before and they're arrested for um, a misdemeanor or battery and the victim says, look, I don't, I don't want to prosecute, we certainly take that into account. But it just gives an extra layer of protection to where, the, where we're, an extra layer of protection for victims who, because, you know, battered spouse syndrome and things like that, those are very real. And people become beaten down and they become scared to talk and they become, it's much easier to just dismiss it and go back to what's normal. And then what happens when we see that is we see eventually you get that call and you have a dead victim. And that's what we want to try to eliminate. Thank you, Mr. Lee. Chief, I don't know if this is your question, but do you think the racial makeup of communities police department should be similar to the racial makeup of the community it served, or is this necessary? Uh, I think it's absolutely necessary. Um, and, and as I mentioned before, um, we'll hire anyone that's qualified. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put them through the, the rigors, we'll send them to the academy, and, and we'll put them on the street. I think it's very important. Uh, one thing that I have, I have told my officers, and I'll break on Darren for a minute, um, and that, I don't want to break on myself, but I don't think many folks would do this. And then uh, Captain Scott, he's back there somewhere. So it's important that you just don't hang out with everyone that you like, everyone that, 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 that's going to be nice to you, everyone that's going to tell you the truth, everyone's going to sugarcoat everything for you. Because uh, when you do, you end up getting stuck in, in an echo chamber. And everything I say is great. And, and, and every time I come up with an idea, it's great. Um, every time I, I go speak with someone in the lobby, it's great. Um, but there, there's two instances uh, specifically uh, where, where, where Darren chatted me one day for, for speaking with someone out, out in the lobby. Uh, and, and although the position I was taking was right, I, I was unprofessional. Uh, and I, I took it harshly at first. I mean, Darren had some stiff conversations. Uh, but I, I eventually sought his way and understood that he was right. Uh, I've since apologized to that person and, and, and me and that person have a good relationship now. Uh, the other thing is, is, is Captain Scott. So my first year on, on, on as the chief, uh, when my first year come to an end, I, I said, hey, 
this is your one time get out of jail free. I want you to do an evaluation of me. I ask you to do quarterly evaluations of your officers. You guys do annual evaluations of your officers. I want to know what I can do to be better. And one of the things that, that Captain Scott brought up was, hey, you tend to jump to conclusions from time to time when dealing with your officers. And it's something I recognized. Um, it's something I've seen in the previous life that I said I would never do. Um, but but, but when, you, when, when you get to the big stage, sometimes you kind of revert back to what you know. And, and just having, having those folks that are brave enough to, to tell you when you're messing up, you know, it, it, it's important. And that's, and that's why I think, you know, overall, we should be a complete represent, a represent, a representation of the community. Thank you, Chief. Um, with the schools located within the city of Irvington, uh, what are the SOPs, those who may not understand standard operation procedures, for a school shooting threat, and how often does training take place in regards to a potential school shooting? Okay, with active shooter training, we conduct that at least once a year. Sometimes it's two or three times a year, depending on what needs we have to meet for the community. But we do one big event every July uh, while school's out. We also partner with the uh, Board of Education, their police department now, and we also we always invite the Overcate Sheriff's Office to go as well. Uh, I'm trained along with uh, Chief Marnage, Alert Level 1, which is the national standard for active shooter training. We're also trained through FLETSI, uh, which is the Department of Homeland Security down in South Georgia to train it as well. And just this past year, we even were asked to go to Hart County Sheriff's Office to teach their guys our active shooter with the recent events with the Uvalde. They realized they were a little rusty on it and hadn't had that training in a while. But uh, yeah, as far as back to the question now, who's going to respond or the protocol for an active shooter event in the school, is that correct? Is that what the, yeah, everybody's coming. We're coming, the sheriff's office is coming. Uh, eventually the GBI's coming. That's something that you're gonna send the whole alphabet team there before it's over and done with. But yeah, they're, they're well protected. Our department's probably one of the better trained agencies in Northeast Georgia on active shooter. Because we're fortunate enough, we've got all the equipment here do all the training in-house and not have to outsource anything. If I could just add to that for a second. We have partnered with the school system, as he said. Um, every police officer has a pass key uh, to every school. Uh, there's no delay. We go right up to that door, we hit our pass key, we're going in. Um, and then just to touch on what Joey said about the equipment, uh, going well off track. <laughs> we're, we're developing a, 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 a Citizens Police Academy um, and, and we're hoping to open it up in 2024, working on curriculum now, trying to figure out what exactly works for us as a smaller department. But one of those things that we will be doing in that, or what I should say is one of the things that you guys and girls will be doing in that is active shooter training. Um, you will be donning the masks, you'll be donning the, the throat and the growing protectors, you'll be donning the, the bulletproof vest, and you'll be going in and, and you'll either be acting as a bad guy, as a victim, or as one of the good guys. And that's, it's, it's a, a component that I'm, I'm really proud of at the police department. Uh, Chief Mark Welsh allowed us to get the equipment that we needed. Um, City Manager Dunn has continued to allow us to, 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 to pick up equipment when necessary. And uh, as he said, I, I put us up against uh, just about any department in the nation. So yeah, we're, uh, we don't even want it to happen, but I think we're prepared. And we can always continue to, 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 to train. Um, just due to time constraints, I'm kind of looking through questions. 
some are uh, looking about the same, so if you don't mind, have one more, maybe two. Under what circumstances would you support the creation of an independent oversight body to monitor and review police departments' policies and practices? Um, so we kind of have that right now. Um, uh, since taking over as chief, um, we, we never had an uh, actual policy. Well, we, I guess we had a policy in place. It was always one of my complaints is we had three, three ring binders, and they all had different things in them. Um, one of my first things is, when I come on was uh, 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 enrolled us in Virtual Academy, a very cost-effective online platform for not only policy but for training. Um, and then I put all our policy on that. So every officer can access it from a laptop, they can access it from their phones, um, and, and in the process of, of, of updating and refreshing our policy, it went through uh, the, uh, the city manager and went through the uh, city attorney um, just, just as a double check uh, as far as that goes. Thank you, Chief. This is a big one. <laughs> and uh, it says, College Avenue. Many people consider College Avenue a speed trap. Is it? Tim, you want to stand up and answer this one? Is it? I'm just begging, you ain't got to stand up. <laughs> so yeah, um, no, it's not. Um, so to, uh, and I'm gonna let Jeff maybe expound on this one a little bit, um, but to, to, to be labeled a speed trap, uh, there has to be no warning given as far as the speed zones. Um, uh, uh, and then uh, I think the other thing that I read on it uh, was that 35% uh, or more of your revenue uh, has to be derived from citations. Uh, that is not the case with the city of Elberton. Um, I know people are going to disagree with me, but we are one of the lowest bond 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 forfeiture bond amounts. Uh, essentially, what I'm saying is we're the lowest tick, one of the lowest ticketed in the country, not the country, but in the state. Um, and then realizing that amount of money is is even less. I, I come in um, after court, and Christy can attest to this, and I'm signing refunds uh, uh, for court that that, that Judge Johnson was who is uh, very considerate uh, giving refunds uh, and, and, and such. So um, we don't qualify for that, but let me just say this too. Um, in addition to that, uh, you have one mile from the Bowman Highway to College Avenue that's all 35 miles an hour, 35 mile an hour zone, and there's several signs along there. So you have that warning prior to hit the city limits that you should already be going 35, and then from Athens Highway, you have approximately a quarter mile of, of signage prior to hitting the city limits. Um, and, then, and then one final thing, uh, my officers don't cite you, or excuse me, my officers don't stop you until you're 15 miles over the speed limit. Um, Georgia law says you gotta give them 10. That's uh, one, to, to counter, counter the speed trap stuff, and, and two, for, for um, variations in radar. Um, but we give you an extra five miles on top of that. Um, you know, it's, I would have thought at this point uh, with COVID, you know, hopefully on the decline, uh, people moving and traveling more. Um, I would have thought uh, officers being more proactive and writing more tickets, the speeding tickets would have been on the decline, but that, that's just not the fact. Um, Jeff, you want to expound on the, the speed trap issue? Well, not necessarily much of the speed trap issue, just more on College Avenue. I, mean, I know that where that location is. I know from driving down here from, you know, I used to live in Athens, I live in Madison County, but I would drive that way every single day for four and a half years to work. 
And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I saw somebody just walking out in, in the street. You have to be careful there. I mean, um, and so I would take, it does, it, it is an easy road to speed on. I'll be frank about that. I think nobody likes getting speed tickets. But it's also, I mean, it, it is also a road that which you're going to have a lot of pedestrians, uh, I think, in, in the street. So from that standpoint, I think it is necessary. And, you know, you get up to 50 miles an hour. So I think that's, that's certainly a pretty good grace, grace period there. Ashley, you hear that? <laughs> um, due to time constraints, and I, we value your time, we're going to ask one more question um, because I think the chief needs to go over just some statistics right quick and then the program will come to a conclusion. Give me just a minute. I think we can end. This is a good question here. All of the questions are good, but this one just kind of sticking out there. Uh, what happens with body cam footage? Is it audited regularly as part of monitoring your officer's conduct? Yes, uh, as, as mentioned earlier, and, and I'm glad you brought this question up, um, and Jeff may be able to uh, uh, answer a little more of this. Uh, but yeah, so. Um, uh, currently, our, our camera system is set to, to, to not roll off any footage. Um, we're, we're kind of, you kind of have a, a back and forth between what our federal partners and what our state federal and what our state partners say as far as retention of that stuff. Uh, general police in Canada that doesn't doesn't require um, uh, an arrest or anything like that uh, can roll off after five, maybe some say seven years. Uh, things where arrests are made, uh, whether felony, misdemeanor. Some say 12 years. Some say you know five years after after uh, conviction. Um, but ultimately, right now, everything is retained with us. Um, we are currently moving uh, here in the next month or so to a to a new system, uh, a better system, quite frankly, for us as far as retention and auditing. Um, so every. Uh, Three days a week, four days a week. Officers download their body cameras uh, quite often. Jeff Lee, uh, you heard Jimmy Webb's name mentioned earlier, um, or even if a citizen complaint comes in, we'll go through and download video. Um, and then, and then, approximately every uh, couple times a month, I'll get on the computer. Joey will get on the computer. Uh, I don't know if Zeb does it as much because he's got a primary job of, of a patrol captain. But we'll go through an audit. Um, and, and, and you know, honestly. So like I said earlier, I, I, I'm fortunate in that the worst policy violation I found was someone not wearing their seatbelt. Um, and we corrected that problem. Uh, but yes, our, our cameras are audited. Um, if you have a complaint, uh, you know, if you make a complaint to me about uh, the traffic stop, that, that, that footage is just not going to automatically disappear. That will be there. Um, generally speaking, like Mr. Rodney, you complained about a ticket that you got. I'm going to pull that video and I'm going to preserve it on CD as I do my investigation. But even if I didn't do that, it's still stay retained on, on, on the in-house server. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm going to let uh, yes. Jeff, just maybe more for my, my, my. Uh, yes, so the thing about body cam is every, every, whether it be police department or sheriff's office, they, they use different types of companies for their body cams that we, we receive them um, uh, different ways, depending on the type of body cam they use. We typically, when we get a case, so, when law enforcement conducts their investigation or makes an arrest, we'll then get the case. 
uh, starting in the case in the week or so after that, and we'll get request body cam with any incident reports. And, um, and, and just body cam, I know one of the things that, that's really great is that it's getting a lot better. I, I know when I first started five and a half years ago, there were all kind of problems because you had storage issues, and it cost a lot to store that much video. You had internet connectivity issues, so sometimes upload problems with that. And even though something might be completely innocent, why something couldn't get uploaded because of an internet connection, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good when, oh, there's no body cam. I wonder why, but that's just, so now I think one of the, uh, I'm, I know from our office is really happy to see that that's becoming something that we're getting regular body cam, anything and everything we want. Um, and so I think that that's something that, you know, I'm really excited about going forward because frankly, it, it's really good evidence for us also. We see a lot of people, if, you know, that are concerned about you know, police misconduct, they're rightly, they, they want to see that for, for those reasons and rightly so. But also it's, it's great evidence. If you have a DUI investigation and somebody's alcohol, everybody in this room knows when you see a drunk person, you know it. And you can see them on body cam, it makes the conviction a lot easier. So it's very good evidence to us, but we're very grateful for that. Thank you, Mr. Lee. If your questions didn't get answered, we would really, really, really apologize. Like I said, I know we were running close on time, but just right quick, Chief Marnish has some statistics to read out, so. Yeah, so again, um, you have questions, we'll be here afterwards. Um, and, and we'll be here until the last person has questions. Um, I, I don't mind coming in late tomorrow morning if I have to. Uh, but uh, I, I just wanna go over, just first of all, I'll just say thank you to the panel. Um, they didn't have to, they wanted to be here. And that just, again, it just, it, it, it warms my heart. A um, couple things I want to talk about just a little more on the, on the One Elberton uh, Community Watch Program, and then we'll talk about statistics, and then we'll enter into just a little bit of time of, of fellowship till, till 8.30 or so. But as I said, uh, I, I will hold the panel here till 8.30. I'll hold my officers here until the last person leaves. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't force Rodney or, or, or Mr. Herman or, or uh, uh, Mr. Jeff here. I think that's kidnapping. But, but my officers, I can force them here, so we will stay here. But so just real quickly, um, uh, I think the police department does a real good job making the arrests when we need to make the arrests. We do a real good job of, 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 uh, of um, uh, writing the speeding tickets when the speeding tickets need to be written. And I think we do just a good job on our community relations. Uh, a couple things that, 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 that we, that I have tried to work on as I've been here, me and Darren have had these conversations over and over and over again. And I think even Ms., me and Miss Gray have had these conversations. We've got to go from us against them to us with them. There are, there are some great people in this community and there's also some bad people. We need to partner with our great people to get rid of the bad people. And it, it's just that simple. We need to get, I think we do a good job, but we can always do better. And that is my goal with this One Elberton Community Watch program. So we come up with a mission and statement, and it's just the mission is, the mission of the Elberton's Community Watch program is to consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some have made a habit of doing so, but encouraging one another through love, fellowship, and good deeds we will provide a safe place where important conversations can be discussed, help each other grow, help each other's understanding of community, excuse me, to help grow each other's understanding of community, ultimately strengthening the community within the city of Elberton. The vision is simple. 
that the Elbertons, and it's not the police department, but the Elbertons Community Watch Program be recognized through the state, region, and country as a guiding force for innovative innovations in community police relations through the leadership, fellowship, and service, both informal and formally. And then finally, our core values. When developing Elberton's Community Watch Program, our core values, we explored who we are and the principles that guide our community. We want to convey to our citizens of Elberton that we are teaching and leading that this watch program will be based upon the values we as a community, not the police department, but we as a community believe in. These are our first five. Compassion. We are compassionate. We understand what others are going through and we empathize with them and we show them care. We are selfless, we are selflessly, we selflessly want to do good to help others. Integrity, always doing, always adhering to what is right. We adhere to our moral principles, and when our integrity grows, so does the trust in others. Creativity, creativity is embedded in all of us. We are adaptable, insightful, and most of all, innovative. And that's what we need to do as a one Elberton community. We have to be innovative. We have to be dedicated. Uh, Rodney mentioned earlier, his first time, eight people on stage. We have to be dedicated. The police department will be here each month for the One Elberton Community Watch programs. And we encourage the city, we encourage the citizens, and we encourage the community to join us. And then finally, self-respect. We'll take pride and confidence in ourselves. We'll behave with honor and dignity, and we'll strive to serve others with that same self-respect in mind. Again, these are just some, some general uh, principles that, that, that we're going to use to guide this one Elberton. Do we know all the answers? Do we have all the, all the answers to all the questions that, that you guys may have out there? Not yet. It's new. But we're going to be here. And we're going to learn and we're going to grow how to serve our community better. So having said that, this is our schedule. And I'll be here and, 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 and this will be on our Facebook here in the next few days. and We'll be out on, 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 on the, the many different medias. But the November 1st, 2022, will be at Elberton First United Methodist. Uh, Pastor Jim McCullough will be hosting that one. We went with November 1st because over the second uh, Tuesday is Election Day, so we moved it. Uh, generally speaking, until we put a steering together committee, we're going with the second Tuesday of each month. January 10th, uh, uh, Pastor Herman Glaze and uh, True Believers Baptist Church is going to host that meeting. Uh, February 7th. Uh, Pastor Tim Adams and First Baptist is going to host that meeting, and, and, and we've got some others uh, others lined up as, as we go forward. As I mentioned, um, uh, we're going to do this the second Tuesday of every month. Um, we don't have all the answers, but we will be there. Um, and then just some of the things that we're going to look at, we're not going to do it today just because of the crowd and the time that's running, but, you know, uh, we, we talked about many different things. Uh, Darren's my logistics man at the police department. He can get every alphabet soup in there to train on uh, 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 human trafficking, to train on scams, to train on elderly abuse, to, to, to any number of things. We, we, we talked about partnering with the high school to, to, to get them to come into budgeting classes for, for whoever wants, specifically our youth, but whoever wants to. You know, we talked about quarterly going to one ward. So, you know, for example, we'll just use uh, Ward 2, uh, Mr. Terry Burton's and the Elberton First United Methodist. 
um, which is in that ward. We'll go there for one quarter and we'll do a service project there, in, in, with, whether it's in the church or whether it's within that ward. Or we may do a, uh, the next quarter, we may be um, in uh, area one at uh, Mount Calvary, Pastor Derricott's church. Uh, and we may do a touch truck and, and have, a, have, have a barbecue or a grilling down there. Once a quarter, we want to do a big event. But generally speaking, what we'll do with every event is we'll present our stats. We'll present any or we'll receive any questions from the audience uh, concerning the stats or concerning the neighborhoods themselves. Um, and, and some of the things that we're going to do is, as Pastor Derricott boldly said, or not boldly, but brilliantly said, community care cards. We'll have cards on you. Write out what your concern is. If, if, if you don't have a chance to talk to us or you want to make sure, you know, we follow up with you. Um, you know, for example, I mentioned, you know, about curb painting. I can't do nothing about that, but I know the man who can. You give me that card, you give me that question, I can get it to the right people. And that's where those community care cards come back, come in. And then also feedback cards. You know, I, I'm not afraid to ask what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. Um, unless it's my wife, because then she kind of, she tells me what I'm doing wrong a lot. But that's a whole different story. So that's just the, the general idea for the, the One Elberton Community Watch. Um, I, I saw the need. Um, no, I should say saw, that's kind of arrogant. We saw the need at the police department, excuse me. And, and, and we just started thinking about what the best way to do it was. And we thought, with this faith in blue, why can't we incorporate the clergy, incorporate our faith leaders uh, in with the police department, in with the community to, to, to grow. So that's that's where we're at. Um, Y'all have, uh, moving, jumping real quickly, because we're at 8.05 now. Um, you have the, the, the stats, the, the crime report by wards. Um, if you have any questions on that, feel free to ask any officer in here about that. If they don't have an answer, they will write that answer down, take down your name and number, and then we'll get back to you. Um, and if they don't, then you call me and I will get back to you. Uh, but you have that. Uh, jumping on to just some of the uh, initiatives, and, and we talked about you know some of the things tonight, you know, like speed traps. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. We wrote 408 tickets last month, in the month of September. Uh, 146 of them were speeding. You know, I, and, and keep in mind, we don't stop you until you're 15 miles over. We don't stop you until you're 50. You know, um, and, and, and again, the vast majority of them are on College Avenue. You know, we're really hoping people start getting the idea. Um, you know, I don't know if we need to put, like, get a blow-up head of uh, Captain Scott, put it on every patrol car, because they'll see that. I know they'll slow down when that happens. Um, but, I mean, honestly, that, that's just some of the things that we do. We had 66 arrests. We did 103 reports. We did 23, I'm sorry, 25 accident reports. Um, and then we had 146, I'm sorry, 1,146 total calls for service. Uh, 800, I'm sorry, 685, my dyslexia kicks in every once in a while. 685 of those are actual calls for service. Someone called 911 saying we need help. And then uh, uh, 461 of them are traffic stops. Um, just real quickly, again, I mentioned we had uh, 66 stop, or 66 arrests for the month. Um, when you factor in our encounters, the 140, uh, 1,146 um, police citizen encounters, 5.8% uh, of those resulted in arrests. That 66 arrest was 5.8%. Um, uh, that is all I have as far as the Q&A, as far as the, uh, the uh, information that we are putting up from the stage. I would just like to take time and, and, and just say thank you to, to the gentlemen up here. Um, I know uh, Darren and Joey had to be, but um, quite honestly, they wanted to be. And that just, you know, it, it, it just makes my job easier when I've got officers that are, that are here and, and want to support this. But um, Brother Rodney, uh, Pastor Glaze, uh, uh, 
uh, Brother Jeff, they don't have to be here. They, they, they wanted to be here. They wanted to come. And, and, and if, if, as, as we're, we're about to get up and come down, you guys would just give these folks a, hand of, a round of applause, please. That concludes our uh, One Elberton uh, uh, Community Watch and uh, Faith in Blue event. Thank you all for coming. As I said, we will be here uh, as long as you all have questions for us. Thank you. Okay, 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 okay. I hope something was gained from these two episodes of Faith in Blue. Uh, at least someone is trying to make a change. If you have listened to these two episodes and you feel like there's something that you want to say, once again, reach out. If you feel like that was a waste and they didn't really accomplish anything, still reach out. Let them know what's on your mind. Because I know a lot of people out here trying to do the right thing and trying to make a difference in the world, especially in a small town like Everett County. That's that's great because I was born and raised there, and that's nice to see. But something has to be done. We, we got to stop this, this thing that we got going on with law enforcement in the community for no reason. Now, my last words to this these two episodes will be well to this episode will be make a difference in the world all that gang banging and complaining about the police and police brutality you know it goes on both ends and it's nice to see that the church is coming together with their law enforcement to make a difference to change i like that and with that said from the mind to the lips to the heavens until next time, peace from the heart. They know that we a problem together. They know that we can storm anywhere. That's bigger than black and white. It's a problem with the whole way of life. It can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere. Might as well go ahead and start here. We didn't have a hell of a year. I'ma make it count why I'm here. God is the only man I fear. Fuck it, I'm going on.